Hello, New Life Church, state of Arkansas, anyone else? I love speaking the word of God to you on this platform. I've been with you since March, this entire pandemic, and uh, we're trying to minister the best that we can right here. Our campuses are meeting, almost all of them, except for one in buildings, but only about 30% of our people are able to go back. And we're okay because the church is unstoppable and we're still meeting right here. So I want to talk to you today about how the Lord is amazing. And so we should live like it. The Lord is amazing. So live like it. This year, 2020, uh, it's been quite different, as you know. 2020, we started talking about vision, the year of vision, 2020. It's been unusual vision, but I see the Lord at work. You know, when I think about this year and the way that it started out, uh, LSU, my favorite football team, we won the national championship. Woohoo! But when I think about that, I think about two things. Number one, it doesn't seem like it was this year. It seems like two years ago. Something else I think about, how it really doesn't seem important. I mean, I'm thankful for it, but it just doesn't seem important right now. So what I've noticed is that this season, it can be overwhelming to us. Everything is just freaking us out. And if you look at the honest problem with it, the Lord is no longer amazing to us. Is he amazing to you? Are you living like it? Some of you, uh, you love the Lord. It wasn't long ago where you were serving the Lord with all your heart and now you're serving him even more. Way to go. Some of you, it wasn't that long ago you were close to the Lord and it looked like it. And now it's just not happening right now. And you're overwhelmed by life and, and uh, you're just looking around at the news a lot and articles a lot and, and maybe even saying mean things. Worried about the pandemic and the fall and are the kids going to go back to school? And it just goes on and on where you're just overwhelmed. So here's another question. Do you really think that you can change the world that you now live in? Without the Lord, uh, the Bible says uh, that the word of God does not return void. But if we try to take care of all of this and to find rest in this without him, I don't care how smart you think you are. It's just going to return void. But his word doesn't. Look at this verse in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. What? I've never really noticed that before. But will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In other words, the Lord is saying, I don't just speak my word, but I send my word out. And I don't want it to come back empty. So when the word gets to you, does it? become life inside of you? 
or does it return empty? He sent his word to you. He didn't just speak his word to you. He sent it. We know that better as Jesus. So again, is the Lord amazing to you? Are you living like it? The scripture is clear uh, that he is amazing. Look, look at this. His word is amazing. In Matthew chapter 7, after Jesus finished speaking this, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Is his word amazing to you? Another part, his miracles are amazing. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22, he healed the man and the crowd was amazed. Are you still amazed at the miracles of God, the, the strength of his name? His life is certainly amazing. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 27, everyone was amazed and they said, what kind of man is he? Or is this? And then in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, the followers, they became amazing. Here's what I know. If you stay around the word long enough, you'll actually even be amazing. Not because of how brilliant you are, because some post you made or some thought you gave. No, it'll be because people will notice that you've been with the Lord. Ordinary people changed because they've been with the Lord. In the book of Acts chapter four and verse 13, it says they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. In other words, Peter and John became amazing. Not because they were so great. It was the opposite of that. Have you ever said something like, man, when I say this, everybody in the room is gonna go, wow, look how smart he is. That's not why they were amazed. They were amazed because they were ordinary and, and, and they recognized as men who had been with Jesus. So he's amazing to us. And then our relationship becomes amazing to others. Some of you, if you were honest right now, the Lord doesn't seem that amazing to you. Uh, maybe he did at one point, uh, but now you have things that are happening and you're all over the place with him, without him, trying different things, trying to find something amazing because the Lord is, is really not right now. Recently, I heard a commentator, uh, he was talking about the pandemic and he was just saying how this, this thing, this COVID thing has become like background music to our lives, constantly playing in the background. And I thought, man, is that the background sound of my life? When I was preparing the sermon yesterday, I had some worship playing in the background. And it was, it was special. And uh, as I was hearing that, I just kept remembering how amazing he was. And it helped me put together his word. What's your background music? Is it the story of 2020? Or is it worship? What's playing in your background? Uh, if you have the world playing in the background, everything will make you mad. Uh, everything will make you want to shout. Everything will want to make you yell over. And then the question, my kid's going to go back to school. I can't live with my kids not being in school. 
What about the economy? What about my health? What about the job? Look, I don't think every question is dumb to ask. But I do think you're going to end up in ridiculous places if you forget how amazing he is. So let me ask you a rhetorical question. Is Jesus amazing to you right now? Or are other things more overwhelming and amazing to you? Like the intensity of the world that we live in. Honestly, if he is not amazing to you, your life is going to look like he's not amazing to you. Uh, the word amazing, we kind of overuse it, you know. Oh, that was amazing. That's amazing. I use it all the time. Sort of like the word unbelievable. Just unbelievable. No, it's not. Uh, I was at the lake uh, last year and I brought these uncrustables. They're like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I brought them in the ice chest and, and they're so good. Well, I had a friend there who had never had one. And so I opened it up and gave it to him and and I said, you're going to love these things. They're so good. And he took a bite of it and then another bite. And he goes, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I was thinking, okay, they're good, but it's not unbelievable. If it was unbelievable, it would be like an eagle flying over us in a tuxedo, looking down, seeing us eating that, swooping down, building a kitchen, and then making it paired all the meal, the seven course meal with the Uncrustable, uh, that would be unbelievable. So we use these words, unbelievable, amazing, to the point where everything is kind of mixed in. Like, I love Jesus, but also love pizza. Okay, is he really amazing to you in the purest form of that word? So there was a time where Jesus was speaking to this woman. We call her the woman at the well. And when he got there to speak to her, uh, this story is powerful because he's face to face with someone who is being overwhelmed by life. Jesus, who was 100% man, was very thirsty and tired. He was also 100% God, so he knew everything about her. This woman is having a very bad life. She's made a lot of mistakes. We'll get to that later. Uh, but Jesus is now sitting at this well. She is there, probably startled when he speaks to her. And this is what he says in John chapter four and verse three. He left Judea, to return to Galilee, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, this is a very important thing here because it says that he had to go to Samaria. No, he didn't. None of the Jewish people went through Samaria to get to wherever they wanted to go. They didn't even like the people there. You talk about racial tension. There was a lot of it then. The Jews, they didn't like the people there. Uh, they called them half-breeds uh, because the Jewish people had married the Assyrians and man, they were just kicked out of relationships with the Jewish people. And in fact, they yelled at them when they would see them, you are unclean, <laughs> like they had leprosy. And not only that, they called them dogs. So they would go the long way around, even to cross the river, the Jordan River, just to get away from these people. They didn't want to be there, but not Jesus. He couldn't wait to get there. 
because he knew there was a lady there who was hurting. And, and so Jesus, the Bible says, I think it's important you understand that he had to go there. Why? He's amazing, but she was amazing to him. She was worth it to him. So here's a few things to talk about. Jesus is amazing. And number one, he can meet you where you are. Now, some of you, you don't even really know where you stand right now. It's shaky ground. You feel like that uh, you've made mistakes. Some of you are redrawing lines in your life. And some of you really don't know your location right now. Uh, a lot of people, uh, they hesitate to get back with the Lord because they feel as though I got to get my life together and then I'm going to go and find Jesus. Well, what you need to know is he has found you. He, he wants you. But then you have to believe it in your heart. He's looking for you. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are looking throughout the whole world, trying to find people who want him, who want to be devoted to him. So this lady was hurting and he wanted to build a relationship with her. She was broken down. She didn't know how broken she was. He can fix your life and he will move to wherever you are. Uh, but you can't fix your life and then move to him. That goes against all of theology on the perfect sacrifice that Jesus gave so we could be in relationship with him. So in verse seven, it says, he said to her, will you give me a drink? Now it's in the middle of the day. Very important you understand that this lady should have not been at this well in the middle of the day. The reason why she was there in the middle of the day was because of shame. She had made a lot of mistakes. She didn't want to go in the morning when all the other ladies would go to get water, the other people to get water. She didn't want to do that because they probably were gossiping about her. They probably laughed about her. She had a lot of shame. So she would sneak over there in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, the worst time to get something to drink. But what she didn't know was that day, right in the middle of her hiding, right in the middle of her shame, she was going to have a great day because Jesus was going to be there. Look at this verse in verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. That's what I was trying to tell you. And Jesus did this in verse 10. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So he shifts this around a little bit. He is saying, you're asking the wrong question. Meaning there's really a bigger story going on around here than the question that you're referring to. What you are referring to is in the temporal. What I am referring to is eternal. You want to talk about how your life is going right now and this relationship currently I want to talk to you about this relationship from an eternal perspective. You are living in shame. I'm trying to show you forgiveness. So number two, 
Jesus wants you to experience peace. I've never met anybody in all my life who did not want more peace. Don't you? But I've met a lot of people, including me, who try to get peace the wrong way. The scripture says that my peace will pass your intellect and your temporal understanding. And Jesus even said, the peace that I want to give you is my peace. I'm going to give you my peace. My peace I give to you. That's a peace that you can't get by a beautiful river in solitude. Uh, when a friend encourages you, you can only get this peace from the Lord. So in verse 13, Jesus said, and he answered her, he said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water. Where? In them. Not around them. Not something they hear about. In them. A spring of water. In them. Welling up to eternal life. Again, that's what he's talking about. Eternal life. Uh, there's a lot of things that we try to grab to help us with our thirst. Uh, some of you are thirsty for uh, power or significance or wealth or to be great in sports. Nothing wrong with these things, but they cannot give you the thirst that he's talking about here. Some of you are thirsty for a better position, uh, maybe a brilliant post Always just thinking about what can I say that impresses a lot of different people? Or what's an article that can answer all of my questions? You're not going to get this thirst quenched that he's speaking about there. You're only going to get it from the word of God. And then number three, Jesus wants you to move past your mistakes. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and then have to keep coming here to draw water. She's basically not getting it. She's still just thinking about this water that they're experiencing at the well and not what he's speaking about. Why is she not getting it? Because again, he is not referring to something happening in the moment. He's really referring to how he can change her life forever. She still sees everything through the guilt and the shame. And in fact, uh, right after this, Jesus looked at her and he said this. He said, woman, because she wasn't getting it. Woman, go and get your husband and bring him here. And I think her head probably went down at that time. And she said, I'm not married. I don't have a husband. And he goes, you're right about that. But you've had five husbands, and now the man you live with is not your husband. You're just shacking up with him. Okay, let me be clear. When she first heard that, since she was in the temporal, she probably thought, this guy's come all this way to make me feel worse. No chance. He came all that way to forgive that list. He will let you know where you've gotten off track if you stay in conversation. But it's not just to leave you there to die. 
to live in the heat of the day hiding out. It's always to bring you to a relationship with him. He brought it up so she would understand the power of forgiveness. Because the next verse after that, he basically said, I am the Messiah. Like this is, this is what you've looked for. She goes, we heard about the Messiah and that he's going to come. And Jesus said, the one speaking to you is he. What? Everything changed. She went from being overwhelmed by her sin to being amazed at what's going on. This lady literally got up from that moment and ran back to her people and started sharing with them just how amazing Jesus was. She didn't go back and hide. She went out and talked to everyone. You know what I've noticed? When we're living without the Lord, we'll talk to a lot of different people about a lot of things. But you'll notice the chatter about the word and how amazing the Lord is subsides. Until we have a fresh encounter with him and then we get it back. I remember the first time I ever realized how amazing he was. It changed everything that I saw. And during this year, there's been times here and there that I started forgetting. And like a heaviness would hit my heart. I've noticed I could just be driving down the road and have this thought. And it's like, man, everything is, is ruined. There's no way to bring healing to this. There's no solution to this. And I'm right without Jesus. But with him, if we'll invite him into our home, our families can start serving the Lord. Our relationships can come together. Our nation can be healed. If we just turn to him and admit our wicked ways, you're not going to turn to him if you don't know he's amazing. If she would have not found out he was amazing, she would have just went right back into the messy life of shame and discouragement and hiding. But she saw it. New Life Church, as a pastor, I can't do a lot of things. There's, there's so many things that I cannot do well. I don't even know if I'm a good pastor. But I do know that I'm a pastor. And just for a second, I want to pastor you. You've forgotten how amazing he is. And you're not living like it. And I just want to encourage you to run back to his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. Outside of it is full of despair. He's still amazing. And we're going to be overwhelmed in life if we don't remember that. I'm going to tell you what I'm praying for in 2020. That we will never be the same again. I don't want to go back. I want to go forward in him. And as a pastor, I can see it. I'm not discouraged. I'm not afraid. But I want you to participate in it as well. So let's live 
like he's amazing because he is amazing. 